This is the O'Reilly Programming Podcast. I'm Jeff Blyle. Our guest today is Wendy Wise. Wendy is the Technical Director of Emerging Technologies at Turner Broadcasting System. She has a passion for new technologies, including augmented reality, virtual reality, and mixed reality. She recently wrote an article called How to Pick the Right Authoring Tools for VR and AR for O'Reilly. And she's developing Learning Paths, which will be released next year, on getting started with the AR kit. We'll talk with Wendy about developing for augmented reality and virtual reality, the AR kit, Unity, and other developments in those fields, and a lot more. Enjoy the show. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Well, we want to talk to you about developing for AR, augmented reality, and VR, virtual reality. But let's start by at least briefly distinguishing between what we mean by AR and VR and mixed reality. Tell me if this is simplifying it too much, but basically when we're talking about virtual reality, we're talking about an experience completely outside the real world, like the real world is obscured to us, whereas augmented reality, we're in the real world, but there's a layer of computer or simulated content on top of that. Does, does that essentially cover it? Yeah, that's absolutely right. The, when, it, when you're in virtual reality, you have basically no idea what's going on outside of your virtual world. So a virtual world is painted completely over everything, and it obscures your eyes completely from the outside world. And augmented reality, you actually have a view of the real world, but the computer-generated content's laid on top of that, actually augmenting your actual reality. What about mixed reality? Because sometimes the distinction between that and augmented is, is a little fuzzy, isn't it? Yeah, mixed reality is very much like augmented reality. It's a view of the real world. Mixed reality actually overlays virtual worlds and virtual objects into the real world. Those virtual objects can actually interact with the real world. So you have a device that can map the real world in 3D space so that virtual objects can be realistically overlaid on them. Imagine some type of virtual person that can actually sit on your desk, walk around on your desk, and interacts with it like it actually is in the real world, but in actuality, it's virtual. Do you think the term, eventually, the term mixed reality will, will fall out of favor? I think the industry will eventually combine augmented and mixed reality into a standardized term of just augmented reality, because the only real difference between augmented and virtual reality at this point is that interaction between real world and just existing in that alternate reality. Well, let's talk about some of the new or at least recent developments in the field. It's been about six months since Apple introduced the AR kit. Can you talk about that framework and what it does and how meaningful or how impactful the introduction of the AR kit has been? Absolutely. It is such an exciting time to be in technology right now, I have to tell you. With Apple introducing ARKit, which, is, which allows developers to develop augmented reality applications that work on the newer iPhones and iPads. It opened up the augmented reality landscape to millions and billions of people, actually, that can now use augmented reality apps without having to purchase any specific hardware. So if you have a newer iPhone or iPad, you can use augmented reality today. You don't have to invest in any kind of headset or glasses. And that's really exciting. So Wendy, beyond its potential impact on developers, what, what's ARKit meant to like regular consumers, regular users of the iPhone or the iPad? That's really the exciting part because the average consumer who has a cell phone now has access to AR and those that the AR applications are just limitless, really. So all of the developers in the Apple framework and the Google framework can now develop AR apps and have access to billions of users. So it is limited to their imaginations only as to where this industry can go. 
So right now, there are apps in both app stores that allow users to download furniture, for instance, virtual furniture that they can place in their home and determine if it looks right, if the size is right, if the colors are right, and if it looks good with their existing furniture. And the economic impact of that is huge because there's, it minimizes the amount of returns. It gives consumer confidence before they purchase. And theoretically, it should increase purchasing because there's not that question of being able to touch and feel and sit on the specific furniture and move it into their house before the, the purchase decision is made. So it's really an exciting time. It does seem like Apple's really gone all in on AR with iPhone 10. How do developers take advantage of that? Does that basically mean ARKit moves to the front of the line as, as far as being a developer framework? I think so. I think there are a lot of developers that are very interested and eager to develop on the, the ARKit. I think the only limitation right now as far as the number of applications and the number of developers taking this platform up is the way to monetize it. So a lot of applications, a lot of gaming applications have in-app purchases or you have to purchase the application. There aren't a lot of applications yet that I've seen that consumers are willing to pay for that add that much value in their life that they're willing to pay for them. So I think it's just a matter of time before developers figure out how to monetize them. And then even more developers are going to flood the market with amazing apps. When we're talking about developers who want to begin in this field, is it still a little confusing as far as deciding where to start? It can be difficult deciding where to start. And it really just depends on what the developer has already. If they have experience developing in Apple, then it's pretty easy just to start in Xcode and, and pick up learning a new framework from there. If they don't have experience in Xcode, then they have different choices and different paths that they can follow. There are a lot of different tools out on the market today that will allow them to uh, learn or allow them to apply some of their existing skills and pick up development in AR and VR pretty quickly. For instance, Unity 3D has integrated ARKit into their application and in their game engine. And so now developers, if they have experience with Unity, they can start building AR apps for iPhone. And that's just really exciting to have different mechanisms to get into this technology. Additionally, Unreal Engine also has integrated ARKit. And so if, if developers have experience with Unreal, then they can start an ARKit. So it's just a really exciting time, again, to, to be in technology. Well, as far as making the choices or making the choices to what's easier or ultimately better, are there things to distinguish Xcode, Unity, Unreal? Developers tend to have a stack that they prefer, whether it's they, whether they develop for Google or whether they develop for Apple. And that's really the first step. If they don't want to change platforms, if they don't want to switch, for instance, from Google to Apple, then they, they probably are going to want to stick with developing augmented reality for Apple. And if they do that, they have several choices to get there. If they are Xcode developers, for instance, using Objective-C or Swift, probably the best route for them is just to use ARKit within the Xcode framework itself or the Xcode tool itself. If somebody doesn't have experience in Apple and Google development or Apple or Google development, but they do have experience in something like Unity or Unreal, both of these game engines have plugins now for ARKit. So you can begin developing for Apple using Unreal or Unity and deploy those applications to Apple iPhones. So you don't even have to have experience in Swift or Objective-C. Are there other authoring tools or developer tools besides the ones that we've already covered that, uh, that are worth a mention here? Um, there's a few others. There's, you know, there's CryEngine and there's LumberYard. 
But, you know, when developers are choosing what tool they want to use to develop their apps, they also have to think about what headsets they want to target when they're doing virtual reality, at least. Not all developer tools work on all headsets. And so one of the things you need to look at is where the users are, which VR headset has the most number of users, and what type of users are you targeting for your applications. And then that'll help drive the decision about what tools to use. What's your advice uh, for someone who wants to develop something for the HoloLens? So developing, so Microsoft released the HoloLens and really started using the term mixed reality with that. And, and it's a really exciting tool. I think the form factor is still still a little too large for a lot of people to purchase it and use it on a daily basis, but it's a fantastic headset that I really enjoy using. In the past, I've developed on the HoloLens using Unity, and that really is an is a easy tool to use to integrate into the HoloLens. And Microsoft has developed some really great emulators so that you don't have to deploy to the HoloLens when you develop. So they've made development pretty easy for it, and it's a really fun tool to, to play with. Yeah, I did want to ask you more about like your personal experience. What what have you been working on or, or playing with in this in this area? Oh, I like to dabble in everything. So I have built apps using Unity, um, using AR Kit, and I've targeted the Oculus Rift. I've targeted the Samsung Gear and Google Daydream. It seems like we're really still in a period where there's no standardization. Is at least some degree of standardization a worthwhile goal? And do you think we'll get there? Absolutely. The you know user adoption of the different headsets and different experiences hasn't really reached a critical mass yet. So hardware and software industries haven't standardized on any tools, any interfaces, even programming language. So until that time, you know there's an opening in the market for innovative companies, startups to step in and try to create some sort of standardized tool set. So that's part of the problem now is that developers really have to determine what kind of reality they want to develop. You know, they have to target the headsets that they want to develop, what kind of platform, and then they have to learn the specific tool sets for all of those things that I just mentioned. So that's why, you know, it really is difficult for developers to learn one tool set and be able to apply it across all the different types. So I think the industry has to standardize at some point because the developers are going to require it. And I think part of that standardization is going to come based on user adoption, which hopefully, according to a lot of the statistics, now is a great time to get in on the development because the the projected economic impact for VR and AR technologies can range anywhere from about six billion U.S. dollars to about twenty billion U.S. dollars by 2020. That's a huge market, and I, you know I really recommend people get in on it now, start learning, and then take your skills to the next level and and continue and and get a get a bit of that uh, that revenue as it starts to trickle in. Before we leave the AR and VR discussion, l- let me ask you to look ahead. Where where do you see this industry going? Like, what different might we be saying a year from now? Wow, a year from now is is light years with the speed this technology is moving. You know, there's so many places we can go. And I think a lot of it is really driven right now by the hardware, because as the hardware continues to improve, the processors become faster, you know, 5G becomes available, the form factor, the size gets smaller. I think we'll begin to see augmented reality headsets, it's similar to what Google Glass tried to do. But Google Glass is still pretty large and pretty expensive and now targeted to, I believe, the manufacturing industry. So imagine users on the street having augmented reality glasses that don't look any different from regular glasses or sunglasses. And they're walking down the street and and we use facial recognition to, to recognize somebody that they know. And augmented reality overlays information on top of that person 
with, uh, with notes about what the last conversation you had or information about their family, you know, it, it could be really interesting and help improve human relations. Do you see this having a big impact on certain industries in the near future? I do. I, you know, I particularly think the service industry is going to be really impacted by augmented reality. Yeah. Imagine if you have the glasses and you are, or imagine you are working at a car dealership or a, a, a car service center, a car pulls in your augmented reality glasses, recognize the car. They can pull up the customer information. They know the last service that you had when you were in and they, the information that's overlaid tells them that you declined a service during the last visit, but that you might be interested in the next visit. So that service and just that service worker can automatically recommend that new service to you, increasing the revenue on that visit for the car dealership, making that user feel like they have a personal relationship that that service worker remembered them when they walked in. And even the notes can bring up information from their last conversation, making them again feel like they have an actual connection. So I think it's really important that that augmented reality really can bring people together in ways that I think virtual reality right now struggles to do. Because again, if you remember virtual reality, you have to wear a headset. So you're separated from people and things around you because the world is painted over your existing world. With augmented reality, you're still in the real world. You still are interacting with real people and you're enriching the interaction that you have with those people. So I do think the service industry is just going to be impacted in such a positive way. Um, imagine again, you're walking into a hotel that you, that you visited a few months ago and they remember what your favorite drink is. They, you know, they know what, what room you like, they can go ahead and check you in and and talk to you about your current visit. I just really think it's, it's going to, again, enrich all of our interactions. Stepping away from AR and VR now, earlier this year, your book, Anyone Can Create an App was published and it's really for beginners, right? People kind of completely new to programming for the iPhone or iPad. So for that audience, what's your first piece of advice? Oh, I, you know, I, I wrote that book with the intention of helping people, like you mentioned, who have never done any programming whatsoever and they really want to get into it. You know, people seem to think that, that only technologists can be innovative or they can follow those ideas through to fruition. And I wanted to make technology accessible to everybody. So my recommendation is start somewhere. That's, that's the biggest piece, whether it's my book or whether it's any other books or resources out there. Just take that first step and don't be afraid. Once you take that first step, you'll realize, you know what? I can do this. It's not rocket science, literally. It's, it's just programming. And once you take that first step, you'll have confidence in that one step and you can take a second step. And, you know, I wrote the book to, in, in very layman's terms, so you don't have to know technology. You can just start from ground zero and work your way up. And, you know, after the, at, when you finish that book, you should have the ability and the lingo actually to start learning other technologies, even dabbling in AR kit if that's where you want to go. But it's really just the, it's really just the building block to, to get you started. And in the book, you, you focus on Swift and the Swift playground. Can you say more about that? Absolutely. The Swift language is, the newest language language from Apple. They used to work in Objective C, and a lot of people found it a little unwieldy and a little difficult to learn. Apple created this new, or Apple adopted this new language, Swift, and they're now actually on Swift version 4.0. So they're really focusing on growing it. It's an open source language, so developers across the world can contribute to it. So it's a very, very easy language to learn, and Apple provided a tool 
called Playgrounds, which allows you to learn the language even easier. For instance, there are playgrounds that you can download that will teach you to code. The playground is a really easy tool that you don't have to learn a bunch of different tools to figure out how to learn Swift. So it's it's very user-friendly. There are playgrounds, which if you think of them sort of as interactive books that users can download and interact with and learn different things like Swift, like ARKit, or different frameworks within the language. So it's, it's a really great, easy tool that I recommend everybody take a look at. And as we get close to wrapping up, I do want to ask you about your work at Turner Broadcasting System. We mentioned at the beginning that your title is Technical Director of Emerging Technology. So what kind of emerging technologies are you working on there? Oh, you know, it's, it's really amazing that somebody pays me to be an early adopter and, and play a new technology. Um, you know, we I play in augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality, the Internet of Things. Um, I work on voice technologies. So, you know, the voice, the voice space is growing pretty rapidly with the introduction of Amazon Alexa and Amazon Echo, um, Google Home, the Apple HomePod is coming out. So, you know, that, that's a, an area that's really growing as well. So I work a lot in, in that area. You know, I think the convergence of augmented reality and machine learning and artificial intelligence is really just going to take the technology world by storm in the next few years. So I, again, I get to play with augmented reality, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and the convergence of all of those with chatbots and voice technology, just to provide that engaging experience for our users and our consumers. So it's it's a really it's a really fun and fascinating place to work. Is there something related to your work on, for example, augmented reality that consumers will see in the in the near future? Yeah, we, we have a lot of new and exciting things coming out. With the augmented reality, we're working on some applications now that will allow users to visualize different aspects uh, during the, the elections. Probably a lot of people are familiar with CNN's smart board when we, ru- we run during uh, general, when we run during elections. And uh, the on-air talent can pull up different statistics and view different aspects of the, of the elections. And you know, we're developing an augmented reality kit right now where users will be able to do that on their own desktop. So imagine taking your iPad or your iPhone and pointing it at your kitchen table and pulling up the United States and being able to, to tap on different states to determine you know, what would happen if this state turns red or this state turns blue and seeing how that changes in the map. Because so many people are visual learners and, you know, having the ability to tap into those things themselves is really, you know, is going to be really exciting, I think. You know, and and with the mixed reality, or I'm sorry, with the virtual reality world, we're developing a really neat experience, which should be out in spring of 2018, which will allow users to view some of our really exciting 360 videos. And um, it's, we're targeting right now the Oculus Rift, but it's going to be a really engaging experience. And I, I really encourage you guys to check that out in, in uh, hopefully early spring. And also looking ahead to 2018, you're developing a learning path about getting started on the AR kit, right? Absolutely. I am so excited about these learning paths. I'm actually developing two because I, you know, I realized as I started to develop AR kit that you know, it's really not that easy to, to pick a path to get into. Again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you can start with Unity, you can start with Unreal, or you can start with Xcode. And so I decided to create two learning paths to help people get into ARKit. The first learning path is going to teach developers how to start with Unity and develop ARKit applications for iPhones and iPads. The second path is going to teach developers to develop ARKit using Swift and Xcode. 
both of the both of the learning paths are going to take the users down the same series of applications and same series of learning modules. One's just going to be targeted for Xcode and one's going to be targeted for Unity. It should be a lot of fun. I'm working on them now and hopefully those will be out in spring of 2018 as well. We'll definitely keep our eyes open for those. And if our listeners want to find out more about what you're doing, where can they go? I'm on Twitter at Wendy L. Wise, and I'm on LinkedIn as Wendy Wise. You can also find me on my personal website, wiseability.com. That's a play on my last name, WiseAbility, A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. Well, Wendy Wise, Technical Director of Emerging Technologies at Turner Broadcasting System, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. You can read Wendy Wise's article, How to Pick the Right Authoring Tools for VR and AR, at O'Reilly's Radar blog. And we'll have a link to that, as well as to information about Wendy's book, Anyone Can Create an App, in the show notes that accompany this episode. If you like this podcast, please subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or Stitcher, so that you never miss an episode. For the O'Reilly Programming Podcast, I'm Jeff Blyle.